Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, a look at attempts to regulate water use in Cochise County. It's been roughly eight months since Cochise County voters opted to create a new layer of water regulations for part of the county. The November vote created an active management area in the Douglas Basin, while a similar measure in the Wilcox Basin did not pass. This week's show is being recorded live from the campus of Cochise College in Douglas, Arizona. Joining us on our first panel are Ash Dalkey, who headed the political action committee that put the two AMAs on the ballot, the Arizona Water Defenders, AZ Water Defenders. Also joining us, Mark Appel, the environmental projects coordinator for Cochise County, and Sonia Gasho, a rancher at El Lazy E Ranch. Three of you, thank you so much for joining us. And to our live audience here at Cochise College, thanks for spending some time with us on a Monday evening. We really, really appreciate it. So Ash, let's start at the top of this and we will drill down over time as we get into it. But what were the Arizona water defenders hoping to solve by getting the AMA questions, the Douglas one that passed, the Wilcox one that did not pass, on the ballot last year? Thank you for this question. And I want to start out by saying that the Arizona Water Defenders Pack was made up of individuals across the Sulphur Springs Valley. So Wilcox, Pierce, Sunsites, uh, McNeil, Douglas, um, into Elfrida, and then also in Bisbee. And we formulated as a pack because we saw this major decline in our aquifer. And so if we take a look at some of the, the data from ADWR um, in the Douglas Basin from 1990 to 2021, we've seen an average decline across the basin of 44.6 feet. And we've heard from many of our neighbors, um, farmers, ran ranchers, about their wells going dry. Um, and time and time again, we heard the same story and we came together as folks um, in the community who didn't have any political experience to try to solve this problem. We formulated because we saw this spinning wheel of legislators not um, acting. And so we came together and worked together on weekends, holidays, after our day jobs to uh, try to solve this groundwater decline. Let me ask you something, and it, it, it may be the cynical question before we get to Mark and Sonia. There's been a lot of concern expressed by people in the audience, people we've talked to as we were announcing this show, about the inclusion of Bisbee in the Douglas AMA. Um, we checked with the Arizona Water Company and ADWR, the Arizona Department of Water Resources, and the city's municipal wells are all on the San Pedro outside of the Douglas Basin, so no longer regulated by this. The cynic says, or the skeptic says, well, Bisbee leans more left. We want them for the vote. That's why we drew them in. Is that why Bisbee, even though most of their water comes from outside the basin, is in the AMA? So the the basin boundaries were created by ADWR, and that is geologic. That is where the water falls into the basin. And so part of Bisbee is included in the Douglas groundwater basin. Some of it falls uh, outside of that, but that is something that was designated by ADWR 
way prior to any initiative process or anything like that. So it's geologic, um, where the water flows. Okay. Sonia, you're a rancher in Pierce. Yes, sir. The Wilcox Basin rejected their AMA. Do you see that rejection as a rejection of water regulations or just a rejection of the AMA plan? We also formed a PAC, uh, Rural Water Assurance, that is now uh, working on becoming a nonprofit to be a umbrella to coordinate between all of the different parts and pieces and agencies that are working on water conservation, which was happening before this election, just not a lot of speaking to each other. So that's what we're working on. And we did oppose both of the AMA designations because we believe the AMA is the wrong tool. Some regulation may be necessary in the future, but we believe that should be under local control and local groups who bring that to the legislature rather than the other way around. I would also respectfully disagree with Ms. Dalkey. The boundary is not a true watershed boundary. Uh, Bisbee Junction and um, parts of that are included because they went off a township and range rather than the actual true watershed. Okay, Mark, let me come to you as we move down the table in this beginning of the conversation. You told Arizona Capital Times back in September that 92% of the county's water goes toward agriculture. How do we know that? Those were figures that were um, collected by the um, University of Arizona's Water Resource Research Center. I couldn't speak to exactly where they, they acquired the data, but um, you know, there's a pretty good record uh, public record on the amount of um, agricultural pumping in Cochise County. So when it comes to water conservation in the county, uh, since, since you're with the county, knowing that cuts pretty much anywhere compared to that 92% are going to be, I hate to say it, but I have to, a drop in the bucket, uh, how do you, I know it was bad, um, <laughs> how do you deal with that balance? Right, and that figure is quite a bit higher than the state average, um, which is around 70-some percent. Um, and that's because we do have a high concentration on this side of the county um, and the eastern side of agricultural production and ranching. And, um, but it differs, you know, the, the, the county is somewhat bifurcated between the east side where we have a high uh, agricultural production and the, and the west side of the county where we have um, other users, residential use uh, is of a concern of in the San Pedro Valley, and also uh, the protection of Fort Huachuca as an economic driver, as the number one economic driver in the county. Um, so it is a, you know, we have to have a careful balance between, um, you know, what economic drivers and people's livelihoods uh, on the line here. Uh, but the county has very little jurisdiction over regulating water use. Um, statute does not allow counties to tell people how much water they can use. What we have, some of the tools that we have at our disposal though really are uh, land use kinds of decisions that are associated with high water uses. And it's not, we're no stranger, the county's not a stranger to um, you know, water conservation policies and land use decisions that, you know, we go back 26 years now um, largely focused, uh, granted, on the Sierra Vista subwatershed of the upper San Pedro Basin 
because of Fort Huachuca as that economic driver. And then until recently, we've really been you know, focused on the San Pedro and protecting the flows of the San Pedro River. But um, now, recently, you know, being pulled over into this side of the county and looking at um, you know, the ways that, what tools do we have at our disposal for supporting the AMA or supporting agriculture um, and making sure that we achieve that balance. When you talk about land use as, as what the county can regulate, is, is that land use going forward? Is that land use, oh, we're going to change the way land is used? Is it a mix of both, depending on what the situations are? The county really is not in a position to retroactively change anybody's land use. And we have very, very little jurisdiction over any agricultural uses um, by statute. So, um, but secondary uh, agricultural uses like production and thing, um, uh, processing are things that the county can regulate. And those kinds of uses generally go through a public hearing process before the Planning and Zoning Commission and um, Board of Supervisors. So, it is really up to the discretion of those of that commission and the board to decide whether or not that any new future land use would have an impact on existing agricultural use, on existing residential uses, like existing commercial uses with regard to water, but also traffic and densities and pollution. So this is for any of you who would like to jump in on it. There's a long time perception in this area that big water users our big out-of-state agribusiness. Zach, our producer, and I did stories in 2016 together that dealt with that perception and found some pretty big out-of-state landowners in ranching and nut farming. So is that perception still earned since we last broadcast some of that in 2016? I think perhaps it's grown since 2016. Um, I Riverview, one of... Um, one of the big users in this area has definitely grown and expanded since 2016 in both the Wilcox and Douglas Groundwater Basin. And I know that's been a lot of concern for many across the valley. So what can be done to control those water users while minimizing impact to longtime family farms, which Cochise County has such a tradition of? Uh, Sonia? Well, I wanted to address that question as well. Riverview, I'm not an employee of Riverview. I am not affiliated with Riverview. However, we sh you should be aware, um, as Mark said, government jobs and, and Fort Huachuca are the main economic driver. But if you factor those out, agriculture is a huge part of our economic drivers in this county. Riverview is a co-op and not a corporation. And for those who may not be familiar, that means that there's lots of family farmers that agree to work together for volume and um, marketing purposes. That doesn't mean that they're not one big grower, but it does mean that they don't necessarily have the same cultural values as, say, Walmart or Amazon. They have bought up several of the farms in the area, but much of those farms were already farming, and um, many of those farmers, in fact, are still farming their own farms and got a really good price and are going to be able to retire and provide for their families when they do. So Riverview is problematic in the sense of, do we still have individual family farms? But they are also very much contributing to our community. 
let's touch on something that we've again have heard from people in the audience mm -hmm. um, when it comes to those family farms especially versus the big out-of-state agribusinesses that are coming in ADWR has a cost of somewhere between five hundred and ten thousand dollars to grandfather in current wells they told us they're going to try and get it to seventy five dollars but it hasn't happened yet, and we invited them to come and be on the panel, and they politely declined. How much do those fees for you and your neighbors say, maybe it's time to sell out, maybe it's time to grow houses, maybe it's time to do something else? Well, I think that certainly for some people that plays into it, but most of the ranchers and farmers that I know have no intentions of selling. I would also say that ADWR did not inform anyone, either the water defenders or rural water assurance, that they were going to be charging those fees before the, the vote took place. There is, turned in on Friday, a couple days before this show, 2,000, I think it was 2,100 or so petitions um, to put the Douglas AMA back on the November ballot to, in the hopes of the petition gatherers, pull it back. We're still waiting on the county to verify the signatures, but right now, tonight, we don't know that it will definitely be on the ballot. Does this issue help, potentially, if it gets on ballot, just pull it back? You know, the AMA was always seen, at least by myself, as a form of triage, so it was not the only solution to this issue, right? The groundwater decline is major. It was to help pause things where they were at, so local efforts by local folks um, could happen. Although there are these efforts, I, I obviously wouldn't want to see the AMA taken back. There is, with bureaucratic systems, um, kind of a long timeline. And so um, any sort of management plan, which is the policies, wouldn't be implemented until 2027. And so that's a long time from now, and that's a lot of decline in between now and then. But and that gives time for other folks to make things happen. Um, there is something that we do get right off the bat, which is the freeze on the cultivation of new irrigated acres. So that's the freeze that I'm talking about. If I could tag team off of that, I think that yes, <laughs> that is a big part of the effort to repeal it is that folks feel like they were uh, not completely uh, informed of all of the ramifications of the AMA. I also think it highlights that we want local control and to choose solutions. There are many solutions. Um, in fact, Mark and I have had co conversations about recharge. Um, there are many other solutions that can be implemented. And to me, that just highlights that, again, the AMA was not the correct tool. Um, a question for you, Mark. In 2022, then-Governor Doug Ducey signed legislation to provide $1.2 billion to boost long-term water supplies and water conservation efforts across the state. How much was allocated to Cochise County, and specifically the Sulphur Springs Valley, and what projects will we see from the county in the future? Well, a lot of our focus has been in over in the San Pedro Valley, so we have some really good precedents over there on the types of projects that might be implemented here in the Sulphur Springs Valley. Um, they didn't allocate that money you know, by county or by areas of the county. Um, they're making that um, money available 
through WIFA, um, the, the uh, Water Infrastructure Financing Authority. And um, in the San Pedro Valley, our Cochise Conservation and Recharge Network just recently applied for a substantial uh, chunk of, of funding to help bridge some of our recharge projects that have been on the books now since around 2014 or 2015. Um, and as Sonia mentioned, you know, we may be able to, especially with the advent of a new nonprofit organization, um, that's something that's been sorely lacking on this side of the county are those partnerships. And we're hoping that that same kind of synergy can happen on this side of the, of the county. And then that would put them in a position to apply for some of that funding from WIFA. How can an AMA address the, what the, the questioner is referring to as the invasive industrial agriculture operations and protect local farms? Uh, we've been discussing different solutions. Um, as I said earlier, there may be some type of regulation necessary, but it needs to be locally developed. A few, some of those things would be potentially an irrigation district in the Wilcox Basin. The Douglas Basin has the irrigation non-expansion area if the AMA is repealed. Another thing would be uh, major recharge projects. Mark and the Fort Huachuca already have the Sentinel Landscape project going. The Wilcox Playa is now considered part of that. And then also farmers and ranchers coming together and developing, again, their own versions of that. and with all of our neighbors and friends, reduce water use, conserve where we can um, without doing away with the farms. Ash, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Sure, and so I think there's a lot of powerful things um, with the AMA that you do not get with the INA. One of those things being the Groundwater Users Advisory Council, which the governor appoints and anybody who hopefully resides in the basin can apply for that. Any policies that um, come to fruition, the Groundwater Users Advisory Council helps navigate that conversation and any of the policy that would move forward, and that could in include some of those larger water users in the basin. Sonia, you mentioned, and I'm gonna follow up on something both of you just said before we get back to audience questions, local control. Mm -hmm. Ash, you said that the governor appoints the council, but they don't have to be from this area. So how do the folks here ensure that their voices are heard and it's not somebody from Imperial Maricopa County? Go ahead. Okay, I mean, we, we don't want that, right? We want local people and a part of applying to be on we keep calling it the GUAC, so excuse me for saying that and not saying it out, but they have letters of recommendation uh, written that the governor and the governor's office takes a look at. From what I've heard is, you know, if somebody with outside of the basin boundaries, it would be very, it would be very slim chance for them to be on that council because the point is to have local folks have their neighbors a part of this conversation. So that's the hope. I mean, through some of the things that we've seen through rulemaking, there's always public feedback to the governor's office saying, hey, why is this person who you know lives in Maricopa County up on this? So you're correct that it can be anyone who's appointed by the governor. Yes, you have a application process and letters of recommendation, and anyone who's willing to serve on that right now, please go apply. However, there is no set 
representation. As in, you have five members, they could all be from Sierra Vista, they could all be from Douglas, they could all be ranchers, they could none of them be farmers and ranchers. Also, as a former government employee who wrote conservation plans and deals with these things, I do not harbor any illusions that a advisory council has any regulatory authority. Yes, they can come up with a draft management plan, but Pinal County in their existing AMA has already seen as they're on their fifth management plan that ADWR does not have to listen to the GUAC and they do not have to take those into consideration. And as we know, water is such a hot political issue that it's likely to be hijacked by other concerns. This plays perfectly into one of the audience questions. What's the recourse if the council do something with the AMA mm -hmm. that the people who live in the AMA or in the surrounding parts of Cochise County don't like and don't think is the right answer? Is there any recourse or there is, too bad? There is, but it's judicial review. And as you can imagine, And that's expensive. It's expensive and long. And anytime you go to court, you never know what the result is going to be. And if I could, I, I think that one particular um, tool or pros, part of the process for adopting the uh, management plan, as they are doing right now with a goal, are these public hearings. So making sure people showing up at these public hearings and getting the press um, involved with uh, the, you know, the turnouts and the comments and the feedback is going to be an important component of ADWR hearing whether or not people like you know, the policies that they're coming up with or that the GUAC is coming up with. Mark, does the county have any role in this or do you all just have to sit back? This is a state issue. The county's growth and development um, is really guided by its comprehensive plan. And you know, we're coming up on 10 years um, where the county's gonna have to readopt um, its comprehensive plan. Uh, and we are, it's already chock full of water policies, but I think the amending of the new comprehensive plan in the next couple years should somewhat synchronize with what um, the management planning process looks like for the AMA here. And I think it, it won't be that big of a lift for the county to do that because there's a precedent for that on, on one side of our county, and there's no reason why uh, that synergy couldn't be created over here. One of the things in the AMA is metering of wells. The question here, can you describe how that works and what kind of authority does the state or whoever the enforcing authority is have to make sure that compliance is maintained? We do not really know at this point. Um, we know that folks um, pumping over 35 gallons per minute um, or are irrigating more than two acres of uh, produce for human consumption or animal consumption um, will have to meter their wells. In terms of enforcement, I mean, that's something, you know, there's a kind of love-hate relationship with ADWR. There's lots of questions that we asked along the way that um, weren't always answered. And so I don't have the specifics of how ADWR would kind of um, function in that way. Um, I don't know if anybody else has any answers to that. If so, I'd love to hear them too. But um, no, we've we heard we've heard a lot about determining a farm yield and your water duties and how meters would be installed. 
Um, I know that you have to report, and the question was, do you report like you do now with the INA with just your uh, a copy of your utility bill, or will they actually be uh, satellite linked? Uh, we don't know, and as far as um, compliance, that's going to depend on how it's how often it's enforced. From what I do know, I, I've, um, I believe the uh, process will be very similar to the INA, so reporting. So folks who are already um, participating in that, if they're within the boundaries of the INA, then they will um, go through a similar process um, that they're already doing. This is actually a question as we wrap this panel up that um, our producer, Zach, and I were talking about as we were coming down. And a former Cochise County supervisor told him years ago when he was working on a water story down here that it really doesn't matter how much water the people uh, of the Douglas Basin um, can serve because in Agua Prieta, if they're still using toilets that use four or five gallons per flush, the basin does not recognize the international border. It goes right on into Mexico and that then affects the Douglas AMA. So are there any efforts, or the Douglas Basin, whether the AMA survives a, a, a vote or not, um, are there any efforts to work with basin users south of the border since they're all tied? And so Ash. one point there is our groundwater basin actually um, flows into Doug, into Agua Prieta. And so anything that we do here will definitely benefit, but the way that the water flows is southward. Um, and so them flushing their toilets, it's not affecting the water here because it's flowing south. It's flowing south, so Correct. Douglas, Bisbee, and the rest of the, the Douglas Basin get the water first, if you right. will, on recharge. Correct. And that would, you know, um, USGS estimates that Right now, the inflow to the Douglas Groundwater Basin is um, 22,000 acre-feet per year, um, but the outflow is uh, 45,000 acre-feet per year. And so that's a major difference, and any sort of collaboration um, with Mexico should definitely happen. Um, as we've seen, too, um, historically with the smelter in Douglas and some of that, that, that was folks both in Douglas and in Agua Prieta, political leaders kind of working together to um, make that happen. And so I would see there needs to be some organization there too, um, as, yeah, as we move forward. Okay, for time reasons, we have to wrap this up, this first panel. Um, so Mark Appel, Ash, Dalki and Sonia Gasho, thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you to the audience for your first round of questions. You're listening to The Buzz. After the break, we hear about the direct impacts of water on two major industries in Cochise County, so stay with us. Welcome back to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. We're recording this episode live from the Cochise College campus in Douglas, Arizona, as we talk about water regulation here in Cochise County. In the first half of the show, we talked about the effort to bring more water regulation to portions of Cochise County and what it will look like from the governmental side. Now we focus on how things will change for those who use the water to make a living. 
Joining us for our second panel are two people from the agricultural industry. Dr. Edie Gustafson co-owns High Lonesome Vineyards in McNeil. Jackie Watkins co-owns and operates San Ysidro Farm also in McNeil, Arizona. Our third panel member joins us to talk about another industry that's important to the area, home building. Daniel Coxworth is the Director of Development Services for Cochise County. Thank you to the three of you for joining us. So let's start as we did a little bit higher up, if you will, with the first panel. And Edie, I'm gonna start with you. Your crop, grapes, are notoriously water sippers by comparison to other agricultural products. We had a winemaker in Wilcox uh, tell us for an episode back in the fall that he really doesn't use much more water than what falls on his land in terms of rainfall. So how has the AMA changed your farming habits? We are a very low water usage crop. Out of the 20 different types of crops grown in the state of Arizona, grapes are number 18. We only use anywhere from a half acre foot to a foot and a half acre of water a year, which is actually less water than a three bedroom family home uses in a year. Our drip irrigation is the most effective an efficient form of irrigation that you can get um, when you're doing irrigation because it goes right where you want it to go. It's not like the big pivots. It's right where you want it to go each and every time. So the amount of water that we use is nothing compared to what you see with the big pivots, with the grain crops, nothing like that at all. So how has the AMA changed what you all are doing at High Lonesome? Well, we fell under the irrigation on expansion area. And back in 2016, we actually wrote the Arizona Department of Water Resources and asked a very important question. We, by county standard, can divide our 36 acres down into four acre increments. And we could put an exempt well on each one of those sorry, four acre lots if we had wanted to. And we can irrigate 1.99 acres with each one of those exempt wells. When we wrote them, and the specific person that we wrote, by the way, happens to be the person in charge of the Douglas AMA. We didn't get a response back. So we subdivided and put in our second well on a different lot as the statute required us to do. We started to develop that next lot. Hundreds of thousands of dollars later, six years go by, the AMA comes up. The water department says, we want to come inspect. We think we're doing the right thing. We allow them on our property to inspect. They stand there, they do all their measurements. Matter of fact, they took my measurements as the truth, and they were, I'm not gonna lie, stood there and told my husband and I to our face, you're good. Well, 30 days later, and one week away from drilling our third exempt well, we got a notice in the mail. We need to cease and desist, rip out 1.3 acres of vines, or face a 10,000 thousand dollar a day fine. 
That is how this whole thing has affected us. Now, if we have a wildfire out by us, because some of the cattle people out there can't fill their dirt tanks with water because they can no longer use those wells, the wildfire is just gonna burn like crazy because the wildfires no longer have a dipping station to get the water to fight the wildfires. So that is how this has affected my vineyard alone, not to mention how it's going to affect the entire wine industry across the entire state. 80% of the wine grapes in Arizona are grown right here in Cochise County. Jackie, let me jump to you. You all on San Ysidro Farms, um, you have alfalfa, which is a thirsty crop, but you also have livestock and, and a number of other things. How has the AMA changed what you all are doing? So far, it hasn't changed anything. We have pecan trees, we grow hay for the dairy industry and the horses industry for livestock, and then we also do beef and lamb. But the rules haven't been implemented yet. You know, there's not the goal that's not been set. So the AMA hasn't changed us. Every farmer I've ever talked to over decades of this career is always looking ahead, what's next, because farming's hard work. Do you have concerns that once the rules come in, you all could be in trouble, or fingers crossed everything's going to work out okay for you? We expect that the water that we'll be able to irrigate the acre feet per acre will decrease over time. I mean, the fact is the groundwater level is depleting. I'd like to think that in my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren will still be able to farm. In 20 years, we can't still be farming like we are today. We have to use less water. And there was a group of us farmers that got together when the AMA was started in January to send comments in about the anticipated goal at that time. So we do know that we're gonna to have to decrease acre feet. It's just how much acre feet can we afford to do with the crops we're currently growing. There's a lot of people that want us to do, grow different crops that use less water. Most farmers would do that if we can, you know, if it's economically viable. To be sustainable, you first have to be economically viable. And to grow those crops, can we grow them and is there a market that we can send those crops to? There is a market for what we're growing today. Dan, let me turn to you for a minute. We'll, we'll come out of agriculture for a second. Your office has a, a pulse on new home building in the county. Have things changed, and do we know what will happen when it comes not only to home building, but just general expansion, potentially, as the AMA goes further into, further into effect, assuming it doesn't go on the ballot and get pulled back? For the most part, Residential development in the county has been fairly steady. Uh, we primarily see development on our larger parcels of land, particularly in the Douglas area. Um, I've been with the county in this position five years, and we have not processed one subdivision plot, which is typically where you see the, the density. Our expectation is as the growth corridor from Tucson and Vail will reach the Benson area, uh, that's where we see where residential development will pick up. We do assist the city of Benson with their plan review, and it's fairly steady up there as well. They have a lot of plotted subdivisions up there already, lots just sitting there waiting to be developed, and they're being bought by national home builders. 
So for the most part, steady uh, probably has slowed down a little bit. We thought it would slow down a lot more with climbing interest rates. Um, but the availability of water has yet really to affect any type of residential development that we're seeing. Although we do hear some pretty bad stories up in the Wilcox area of residential wells going dry. And Wilcox and Benson are not part of the Douglas Basin, so whatever happens with the Douglas AMA will not affect it. I want to start with a clip uh, from a recent speech by State Attorney General Chris Mays talking about the AMA. And Sean, for you, just in the back, this is clip two. The very fact that the voters here took matters into their own hands to create an AMA is a sign of the failure of the state to help local communities manage their groundwater supplies. So when you hear the Attorney General say that, what do the three of you think about that comment as she was talking about the, the AMA? I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what goes on down here from the folks up in Phoenix. Farmers and ranchers are some of the best stewards of water conservation, the, the local farmers and ranchers. I get what the Arizona Water Defenders was trying to do, but calling the AMA a, a triage. When I was in the military, I retired after 20 years. We have a saying, you don't put a Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound. And that's kind of what this AMA has done. There are second, third, and fourth order of consequences for it. Our county is primarily agriculture, and that is how we have survived in this county. And nowhere in the proposed management goal is agriculture even mentioned. Um, they, they want to attempt to try to maintain. Well, what's in the word attempt? And they have the word communities in there. What communities are we talking about? Are we talking about just the cities, the urban areas, or the rural areas, the agricultural areas? It's not all inclusive. And we can use the GUAC and, and try to get things included and all that kind of fun stuff. But, you know, like Sonia Gasho pointed out, it may not be people from here. It might be people in Sierra Vista or people from Phoenix or wherever. There are certain qualifications that the governor is going to look at to see that you have to be in that GUAC. You know, I heard the attorney general say that if the water department thought it was so important for us to become an AMA, why didn't they step in and do that a long time ago? Do either of you want to jump in on that, Jackie, Dan? Well, it wasn't the water department. ADWR didn't decide. It was the voters of the basin that decided. Ranchers and farmers, we don't want to use any more water than we need. It cost us. I mean, our pumping cost per pivot is, you know, three to $5,000 a month. We are using more efficient water today in irrigation than we were when the INA started. And there's less irrigated acres out there today than there was in 1980 when the INA started. Everyone wants to use less water, but you know, we still have to be doing our share for the citizens of the county to produce agriculture. If you don't have agriculture, you don't have a society. 
Let me ask you, uh, and Edie, you can jump in on this too if you want. We heard in the first panel perception that there are big multinational, international companies here in Cochise County farming big deep pockets for big deep wells. From your experiences, is that true or is it still a lot of the agriculture is like you all, family owned, depending no matter what it is you're ranching or, or growing? If you're irrigating, it doesn't matter if you're big or small, you're still irrigating. And the, being that it was the Douglas INA, the people who are not in the area that are pumping, they bought the property that was already being irrigated. So for me, if it's irrigated by a family farm or it's irrigated by someone from California that is depleting their water, but most of those are also family farms. We have, you know, three or 4,000 acre family farms that are started here that their family's been here for century, you know, for... For, for generations. generations, yeah. And those, they're large, but you need a large amount of property to actually make a good living if you're not doing just vegetables. And I agree with Jackie, irrigation is irrigation no matter how you want to look at it. However, to answer your question, with the big um, out-of-state or international agribusiness that has come in, there are reasons that they have come in, and some of the, the reasons they have stated is because our lack of water regulation. But the Attorney General has pulled a lot of the Saudi Arabian alfalfa farms is what we're talking about. They pulled any of their new applications for them to put in new wells. So there are ways to stop big agribusinesses um, from doing that, especially international ones. But the AMA is not the way to do it because Let's face it, it didn't stop Riverview, okay? Riverview has the wells, they have the land, they have what they need. The people that it hurt are the local, the small moms and pops. That's who it has hurt. It didn't stop Riverview. It stopped some of the bigger ranchers who now have water or wells they can no longer use. It stopped people like my husband and I over the next 10 years, they will have cost us $3 million in sales alone because of the vines we ripped out. So it's not just looking at the big agribusiness. Dan, let's jump back for a, a second to home building. We've heard a lot lately in the news about the 100-year water supply rule. Do county offices have to deal with that here? or does that information come from above, especially up in Benson? Again, out of the AMA, but it's all part of the county. Regardless of where you're located, if you're subdividing property through a subdivision plat, which we haven't seen in a long time, they are required to obtain a certificate of 100-year groundwater supply through ADWR. And so we haven't had to deal with it very much here because we just aren't seeing those large growth developments yet. Maybe when those lots are built out or maybe a new commercial port of entry, if that triggers the market for larger subdivision developments in the county, we may then see the impact of that type of development here and whether our housing supply can keep up with the economic growth that we have here in the county. Jackie or Edie, we talked about in the first panel some of the things that after voters approved the AMA 
were learned about a bit of a surprise, if you will, the, the cost for grandfathering wells. In addition to that, were there things that came out after the vote was done that surprised you all about the AMA at all? I read the statutes in the administrative code, so I knew that there was fees. It's government, there's always fees. So I, I wasn't surprised. Anything? I, I think what surprised everybody was when it came to the fees was the people who are already in the INA were already already had grant irrigation grandfathered rights and what they didn't understand was why do they have to reapply to keep a grandfathered right they already had they have till March of 2024 to file for their grandfathered rights. Then there's a six month protest period. And then there's another period where ADWR takes time to review the protests and then review the paperwork. It put it all the way out to like September of 2025 before they're gonna decide who gets their irrigation grandfathered rights and who doesn't. And oh yeah, until they come up with this new fee that they're gonna charge everybody, it's supposed to be a flat fee, that can go as high as $10,000. That's what everybody was upset about. That was never told to everybody. Before the AMA was voted in, and we had meetings with the Arizona Department of Water Resources, we asked, what will the AMA look like if it's voted in? And we were told, well, we don't know because you have to vote it in. And now that we know what it looks like, a lot of people are like, hmm, yeah. And, and that's, Jackie, why, yeah. that's why a group of us worked with the legislatures to make it just a flat fee. Because yes, we, there was an application fee when the INA came in 1980, so we already have the irrigation rights. I feel confident that the legislature is going to pass the flat fee rate instead of the hourly rate. Let me get to your questions, you the audience uh, who are here. So we've talked a little bit about tonight, we've mentioned a couple of times wells going dry, we've heard about that in many areas of Cochise County. Is there any documentation that, maybe Dan, you know about it, um, on how many have gone dry over the last couple of years, 20 years, 30 years, however far back documentation might go? I don't know. It's, you know, it was mentioned the county really does not have uh, much authority or regu regulations in place to re or to regulate water, um, except for when it comes to development and the type of development that we, that we see in the county. And if I can caveat on that too, Chris, you got to understand too that some of the wells that are in were put in in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and they went 100, 150 feet. The technology today is totally different than it was back then. So wells have to be maintained. Pumps have to be maintained. If you don't maintain your wells, they get clogged. They're gonna get silt and stuff in them. So some of that is the problem. There have been cases of where people have had their wells go dry, so to speak, or going dry, and people down the, the road have cleaned up and maintained their pumps, and all of a sudden, all the water's back. 
So, and ADWR has been challenged time and time again and asked in the meetings, where, where are you getting your data where all these wells, where the water is dropping? And they say, oh, well, here and there and there and there. And people stand up and say, not my well. My well, the water went up two feet. The stuff, ADWR does not post on there whose wells have gone dry. They've been asked in the meetings. Let me ask but something. You, um, oh, can, go ahead, Jackie. Yes. You can go online and you can click on every well that's in the AMA and it will show you what the water level is. I mean, our irrigation, we have dropped a foot a year for the last 20 years. So let me ask the two of you, because you've talked about wells and things like that, and for those of us who are not in agriculture or who are not on wells or on municipal water, we don't know much about digging wells. What does it cost, ballpark, to dig a well? A uh, homeowner's well or exempt well is thirty to 50000 typically if you're going three to 400 feet. An irrigation, irrigation well is 250000 up. She's so not a, not a cheap endeavor yeah. by any means. Correct. Not, not at all. And with the price of steel having gone up, we've seen it go from $20, $25 a foot for the steel casing to $55, $60 a foot for the steel casing. Our third well that we were gonna put in was gonna be at 600 feet times $55 a foot is astronomical. So what we don't understand as for us is why people on municipal water all of a sudden, and I know it's a part of the statute, but all of a sudden got a say over my $35,000 well that I got to put in, that I paid for. Question from the audience, if local control is a desirable option, why are wells going dry or having to be deepened when people have been in control uh, until this point? Um, don't they need some guidance, shall we say? The nine best words I've ever heard come out of a government official's mouth came from Ronald Reagan. And he said, beware of, I am from the government and I am here to help you. I somehow knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> Is it true with an AMA you can run pipes from one well to another to provide water to other pastures? And maybe this hasn't been decided yet since the rules for this AMA are still being worked on, it sounds like. You can, you can link your irrigation wells together. And from what I know, that you'll still be able to water your livestock in different pastures but not the, the tanks uh, as, as are done now, correct? No, you'd have a water tank at the end of the pipe to water the cows. Do we know much about the quantity of goods raised by big farms versus small farms? Most, most of the farmers, even some people might call them big, they'll have 1,000, 2,000 acres. Those are not big farms, those are medium-sized farms. And those people are usually doing commodity crops, corn, beans, potatoes. There's a, lot, there's a lot of potatoes being grown in the valley, but those are not the smaller farm that is selling vegetables to farmer's markets, CSA, school programs. But most of the farmers are forage for animals, alfalfa, oats, triticale, or corn, beans, cotton, 
I just have a few facts for you on that. Economic contributions made through wine grape growing, wine making, and wine sales, investments in vineyards and wineries, and associated multiplying effects. The total contribution is $159.6 million in sales in the state of Arizona and $78.3 million in gross state product. In addition, wine grapes supported nearly 1,200 jobs in 2019 before COVID when including multiplier effects of ancillary business supported because of the wine industry with 80% of those grapes being grown right here in Cochise County. We have time for one more question. And this is, it's a broad one. Any of you can, can jump in on this. Can you speak to the ethics of water conservation? When is the greater good more than the individual, in this case, the individual probably farm? You have to have a balance. We need to have agriculture in the county because we're, we're importing water. Every time you food that's brought from some other country, water is an issue worldwide. And if you're importing water, from your food, we need to not be elitists that think, okay, well, we won't do any agriculture here. We'll just import and dry up some other place. So there has to be a balance. We don't know what that balance is, but we still will be depleting the aquifer to a certain amount. We are in a 20-year drought, and it's the highest drought in the last 1,200 years from tree rings. So we are in a drought. So the, some of the combining issues is we're in a drought, so we're not getting the recharge. But once the drought is over, then the aquifer should come up. That was Daniel Coxworth, Edie Gustafson, and Jackie Watkins. And that's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR app. Thanks to our audience tonight for attending our live recording and to the staff of Cochise College for their help. Zach Ziegler is our producer with production help this week from Summer Hom and Desiree Tucker. The AZPM live event staff for this show includes Sean Teague, Timna Gershon, Greg Gutierrez, Bob Lindbergh, Nate Huffman, Dara Sam, Sam Cantor, Aiden Wall, Ahmad Lomax, and Gary Bell. Thank you to all of you all for getting this put on live for us. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.